Liel Leibovitz on what he calls the turn. Latino or Latinx? And from white supremacy to race-conscious discrimination. Welcome to Fair News Weekly. To read all of the articles discussed in this podcast, please visit fairforall.org news. In these polarized times, it's easy to feel isolated and afraid to express your views and concerns, especially if you feel they are at odds with the increasingly intolerant orthodoxies around issues of race and gender that are becoming the norm in schools, universities, government, media, businesses, and other workplaces. So, if you're looking to meet friends, share ideas, and network with people who share a commitment to promoting a common culture based on fairness, understanding, and humanity, then Fair Community is here to help. Fair Community is a social network and forum for members to socialize and organize. Use it to find out what Fair members in your area are up to, whether it be attending a school board meeting, hosting a speaking event, or hanging out at the local pub. You can discuss the recent fair-related news or go to our off-topic section to share pictures of your pets or discuss your favorite food recipes. If you're a professional, consider joining groups such as Fair in Medicine, Fair in Technology, Fair in the Arts, and our Fair Educators Alliance to help organize and promote pro-human values in your field. And if you need help getting your local community off the ground, you can attend our regularly held grassroots training workshops. Joining Fair Community is easy and 100% free, so come on in and join the conversation. Universities are increasingly requiring their prospective professors to submit diversity, equity, and inclusion statements as part of their application, which are often then used as a first filter during the hiring process. In our new video, evolutionary biologist Colin Wright describes how these required DEI statements act as ideological purity tests, which ultimately harm science and the objective pursuit of truth by reducing viewpoint diversity and fostering an environment of fear and conformity. Visit FAIR's YouTube channel to view this video. And while you're there, tune in to FAIR advisor Melissa Chen's new video, focused on when tragedies occur. The media on both sides of the political aisle quickly spin the facts in order to exploit the tragedy and score points against their political opponents. One such tragedy was the March 16th massage parlor shootings in Atlanta, Georgia, where a white man attacked three Asian massage parlors, murdering eight Asian women. Chen explains how the bodies of the victims hadn't gone cold and the families had barely begun grieving when activists and journalists jumped in to speculate and spread misinformation that the attacks were motivated by white supremacy. However, once more facts came in, it became clear that the shootings were not racially motivated, but rather more closely resembling misogynistic honor killings. But the media stuck with their racist narrative. Chen goes on to explain why the eagerness to fit and deny the facts in order to manufacture a preferred storyline is not just dishonest, it's harmful. Earlier this month, FAIR advisor and DePaul University professor Dr. Jason Hill joined FAIR Illinois to celebrate his new book, What Do White Americans Owe Black People? Racial Justice in the Age of Post-Oppression. Ted Dabrowski from New Trier Neighbors and Wirepoints led a wide-ranging conversation and Q&A with Dr. Hill about his new book and today's most pressing cultural issues. That talk is now available on FAIR's YouTube channel. 
This week on Fair for All Substack, law student Chad Williams wrote a powerful piece titled From White Supremacy to Race-Conscious Discrimination. The essay outlined the conceptual differences between what Williams calls traditional racism, which describes individuals, organizations, and institutions treating people differently on the account of their race, with racism according to the tenets of so-called critical race theory, which is defined as disparities between racial groups. Williams points out that these different concepts of racism stem from two types of discrimination according to civil rights law, treatment of individuals versus disparate impact on groups. While everyone appears to agree that disparate treatment is racist, there is considerable disagreement over whether disparate impact also constitutes racism, given that there are many other causes that can influence group outcomes, such as demography, geography, and culture. Williams states, In my view, our concern as black people should not necessarily be with closing all disparities between ourselves and other racial groups, but rather with ensuring that we become ever safer, healthier, and wealthier, a process that may eventually close these gaps on their own. Relative success or failure should not be determined on that metric. Fair advisors Steven Pinker and Melissa Chen sat down at a fair event to celebrate the publication of Pinker's new book, Rationality, What It Is, Why It Seems Scarce, Why It Matters. They explored the nature of rationality, the power of groupthink in corrupting it, and the social dynamics on both sides of the political spectrum that led people to hold outlandish beliefs. According to Pinker, it shouldn't be such a feat of mental gymnastics to both believe that racism has declined and to believe that racism still exists in the United States. But I find it surprisingly difficult to get people to acknowledge those two ideas. For Newsweek, psychologist Xavier Bonilla wrote about how the word Latinx, an inclusive gender-neutral term created and promoted by activists to describe Latinos, is instead alienating and offending the Latino community. A recent poll found that only 2% of Hispanics used the term, and over 40% actually found the term offensive. Bonilla believes that an overly academic focus on nomenclature is distracting many Democratic politicians from understanding the real-world concerns of Latino voters, which is causing many of them to abandon the party in favor of the GOP. Bonilla states, Instead of offering Latinos things they actually care about, understanding large parts of this community as sharing the concerns of the middle and working classes to which they belong, democratic strategists ignore the concerns of the Latino community, then rebrand it in a language foreign to its self-conception, and even lecture struggling American Hispanics about people living in other countries. In order to retain Latino voters, Bonilla believes the Democratic Party needs to start prioritizing class issues over race. This week, USA Today published the final column by Senator Bob Doyle, who died last Sunday. In his column, Doyle explained the synergistic relationship between the political right and left in America, and why teamwork is needed in Washington now more than ever. Doyle wrote, During my years in Congress, Democrats and Republicans were political combatants, but we were also friends. I learned that it is difficult to get anything done unless you can compromise. Not your principles, but your willingness to see the other side. Those who suggest that compromise is a sign of weakness misunderstand the fundamental strength of our democracy. Doyle was worried that extreme partisanship within both parties is harmful to the country, as well as democracy itself. 
The unwillingness to even speak to the other side on important issues driven by fear of accusations of guilt by association is unsustainable because, according to Dole, a functioning democracy thrives on debate between those two opposing views. For Tablet, senior writer Leah Leibovitz describes what he calls as the turn, the personal process of coming to realize the party you had previously voted for no longer reflects your core values. Leibovitz explains how serious issues surrounding identity politics, COVID-19 policies, and free speech, to name only a few, have caused many to rethink their political identities. For Leibovitz, the turn caused him to switch his political identity from left to right. He says, I still remember how confusing and painful it felt to know that my beliefs, beliefs, mind you, that until very recently were so obvious and banal and widely held on the left that they were hardly considered beliefs at all, now labeled me as an outcast. On her substack, The Truth Fairy, Fair Advisor Abigail Schreier reveals what she spoke about in her private talk at Princeton earlier this week. She addressed one of the most commonly asked questions of her. What's it like to be so hated? Schreier explains to the students that she is not a provocateur, and nor does she get a rush from making people angry. Rather, she frequently finds herself at the center of controversy simply because she is effective and unwilling to back down. While many would find being the frequent target of vitriol unnerving, Schreier tells the Princeton students that it's actually freeing and urges them to take back the freedoms that they have lost. Take it back. Take it back. She says, it's yours to demand. Take back the right to speak your mind thoughtfully, courteously, with a goal in mind beyond giving offense. The list of unmentionable truths expands so rapidly without reason other than the attempt to suffocate a free people so that they forget the exhilaration of a lungful of air. For Newsweek, Fair Advisor Angel Eduardo wrote about the term Latinx, referring to its recent poll finding that the vast majority, a 98%, of Hispanics don't use the word, and 40% claiming to even be offended by it. Eduardo asks, Why are we witnessing the ascendancy of a term loathed by 40% of the population it's purported to describe? He believes this is because they are not actually addressing Hispanics at all, but rather upper-class, left-wing activists. Eduardo points out the hypocrisy in this lexical imperialism, as he calls it. He says, So much for being anti-colonialism and not mislabeling others based on preconceived notions about their identity. As if bigotry can be eradicated by breaking a language, the gesture is as empty as it is insulting. For the Thomas B. Fordham Institute, Fair Advisor Robert Pondicio wrote about the phenomenon of luxury beliefs, coined by University of Cambridge PhD candidate Rob Henderson, which are defined as ideas and opinions that confer status on the rich at very little cost while taking a toll on the lower classes. Once you become aware of the concept of luxury beliefs, the prevalence in our culture becomes all too apparent, and that nowhere is this gulf between upscale ideals and the everyday reality wider or more obvious than in education policy and practice. Pondicio states that too few of us know or have personal experience walking in the shoes of the family and students we claim to serve. Instead, we opine about what's best for other people's children from the safety of our respective bubbles, indulging our own set of luxury beliefs. 
Finally, if you liked this podcast, subscribe, share it with a friend, and leave us a rating and review. Make sure to check out our newsletter and weekly roundup to read more into any of this week's stories, or visit fairforall.org news. Donations are always welcome at fairforall.org donate.